it's one of the things I teach in my motivational thing. Like people often tell you how, like to be positive, but they don't tell you how to be positive, you know, and it's like a muscle. Mm. I feel like if you flex it um, and practice it, then it will become your go-to eventually rather than, you know, some, something that seems so cliche. Mm. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to another episode of Adventure Fit Radio. This week on the show, Mac and I interviewed Kai Ferno for 2.0. Kai was on the show late 2016 with uh, myself and Bill, but this uh, this week it's uh, it's me and Mac. Awesome little uh, awesome little session we got coming for you today. Uh, Kai's uh, has her, her story is actually really quite inspirational. She actually does a lot of motivational speaking now. Um, but she's uh, she's come from breaking her back, so physical adversity to actually starring as a stunt woman in in in, uh, in Hollywood superhero movies and all different sorts of things. So, and she's really great. She's she's really into health and wellness, and I think her perspective on life is actually really quite unique um, and uh, and really really um, really educational. So I, I really do hope you enjoy this one. I certainly did, and I know Mac did. Guys, in terms of our sponsors, we are well and truly sponsored by Audible. So. First off the bat, I want you to head to www.audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF radio. Audible is basically an online audiobook resource center of education frothing excitement. And basically, guys, listen to your books. Uh, when, you, when you're actively transporting yourself from, uh, from home to work or when you're, uh, when you're doing some sort of thing that you, you, could, you could listen in as well. I just finished listening to Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl and I'm now going to jump into some works by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. You can get uh, a one free book per month when you jump onto that subscription and you can head there by heading to the webpage www.audibletrial.com forward slash ADBF radio. Guys, our next big dog is True Protein. So, 10% off for trueprotein.com.au. That's www.trueprotein.com.au. When you use the code ADVF, you'll get 10% off on all of their protein powders, sports nutrition supplements. They're really great. For me, they actually taste the best. I absolutely love them there. So, True Protein, guys. And finally... As, of course, what this uh, radio spawned from is AdventureBit Travel. So go to www.adventurebittravel.com for 10% off trips when you use the code radio. That's use the code word radio for 10% off trips when you head to www.adventurebittravel.com. All righty, guys. I hope you enjoy this episode. Bye-bye. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Where did we come from? Are we alone in the universe? What is the future of the human race? I'm with me if you want to move. I did. Good, 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 that girl. Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. So, what's been up to? I have been up to so much. Like, when, when did we last speak? It's got to be a year ago, right? Yeah, I think uh, uh, it would have been a long time. A year yeah. and a half, maybe? 18 months? 
Yeah, so I had a hip yeah. operation since yeah. we spoke. Yeah. Um, and then, and then I guess like as I was recovering from that, I sort of started to look at really getting back to a more basic, basic lifestyle. So I've been doing a lot of like health exploring, both sort of mental and physical, and um, also just going back to making a lot of my own stuff. You know, like I've been getting into making hand lines for fishing, and then like oh, going nice. and fishing, mm. and then like catching the food, and then eating it, and then. Um, just recently, I made my own knife from scratch, really? which was really freaking cool. Out yeah, of what? Um, a car leaf Nuts. spring. I just bought one at the store. No, it's like, do you know what a leaf spring in a car is? No. So basically, it's like the shock absorbers in a car. So there's sort of these these bits of steel under your car that that allow for. I feel like I shouldn't be explaining this to two men. But <laughs> Car is essentially an automobile that uh, boys. <laughs> so um, yeah, and it's like a, it's made of steel, and it's the strongest steel you can get. So basically, you can get them rusty off, like in any car yard. And a friend of mine had a forge, mm. a little one that he made out of a gas canister, and so mm. just started from scratch and like heated it up and banged it, like did all the blacksmithing, and then got the grinder out and like designed the knife and carved it out with the grinder and like every step of the way I did myself. So it was pretty Fuck cool. That. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and, mm. and I didn't know what kind of knife I wanted or what shape I wanted, so I was just making it up as I went along, and, mm. and it is beautiful. Like Then I got like a chunk of wood and carved the wooden handle for it. And put, wow. Like, so like, and then like another friend had a native beehive, and I got the wax from the native beehive mm. and like waxed the handle. And then oh, shit. went out and shot a kangaroo and like tanned really? the leather hide yeah, yeah. and then made the sheath out of the kangaroo leather wow. hide and pulled all the sinew out of the tail and used that for stitching and everything. So it's yeah. like the most basically from scratch. Sort what of inspired you to do all this? Hates kangaroos. It was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't like it. I felt like some kangaroo tail stew, you know? Yeah. No, um, I just... Um, it was there and the guy was like, I can teach you how to build a knife. And I do outdoor stuff all the time and I yeah. have quite the collection of knives for that. So I just thought it'd be really cool to have one that I made from scratch and it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what's fascinating about this? I'm reading a book at the moment called Lost Connections by Johan Hari. Yeah. And um, have you heard of it? No. Oh, fuck, you'd love it. It's um, basically why the prevalence of anxiety and depression is so prevalent in right. our current society, you know? We were talking on a Shoot the Shit episode we did just before about like the release of dopamine and these feel-good hormones in response to things that we become addicted to and all this sort of stuff, you know. And for you to go back to a very primitive state, mm-hmm. you must feel so much more fulfilled because the, the art of like catching your own food, hunting it and then preparing it like was a huge release of dopamine back in the day. But now we have everything by abundance so we can press a button and we don't need to do all that shit. But yeah. we're taking away what's allowed us to survive 2018. Definitely. And along those lines, there's that whole movement about we're too comfortable, you know. So yeah. we're looking back at getting back into making yourself uncomfortable, which is sort of where you can where you can grow from and the space that you can develop in. And that's sort of the same thing. But I, mm. it was. It was this – like I've never loved a physical object as much as I love this knife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's dangerous. <laughs> You got it? Yeah. No. Uh, no? <laughs> no. I, I just uh, been flying around too much. I didn't want to lose it at the airport. Yeah, you know, I've yeah. lost so many knives going through the scanners there. But um, oh, yeah. yeah, so that was, it was a really cool experience to do it. And mm. I, I did end up making sort of a skinning knife. So then I'm, you know, sort of going to be able to go back and use mm. it for that. Mm. And I've also gotten into bow hunting. So um, yeah, great. doing, you know, I mean, I was vegetarian for 23 odd years. Yep. And 
my philosophy is, you know, if I want to eat it, I probably should kill it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I don't look like the person that's just going to be out there <laughs> killing, killing little bunnies. But um, so I figure, you know, that's a really good way of getting my own food. And then you're not contributing to what the world's going through. Like a lot of people are vegan because they don't want to put pressure on a system. But if you can go out and shoot a couple of bunnies and mm, you know, I don't eat much, so that would be my meal for a couple of nights and, mm-hmm. and then use the skin for whatever I'm doing. And yeah. so it's just... You know, it's just sort of looking at the way we used to live and just learning some skills along yeah. those lines. How much do you think um, you would have benefited from doing all this and like understanding how to do it when you were on Survivor? Um, I wasn't on Survivor. Yeah. I was on, yeah. <laughs> on natural. I forgot. I forgot. So let's say hypothetically, if you're on Survivor, if I wasn't Survivor, <laughs> naked and afraid. Naked and afraid. Sorry, that's right. I remember I have like this vision of like you being naked on this YouTube video that I was watching. I was like, oh, Survivor's like getting you to do weird shit. This is Have you heard of the TV show Naked and Afraid? No. So are you naked on an island? Um, but you're not afraid. Yeah, well, yeah, I wasn't um, afraid. Well, basically about five years ago, Discovery came up with this very extreme concept. They wanted to really push the boundaries of survival shows and uh, they knew of me because I'd hiked across the Sierra Nevadas with a pocket knife and lived off the land. So I documented that and got sponsors for it and everything. So they were looking for, you know, six of the most kick-ass survival women they could Mm. find and, I don't know, they knocked on my door and they (laughs) said... Just, you know, just listen. A door that you'd made, obviously, from yeah, the land. It and was just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like a cat with my own hands. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hello, come to my house. <laughs> um, so they, um, I was in Byron Bay on holiday and they're like, okay, Kai, you know, like, I know we've come at you with some shows before, but this one, um, just stay with us. And they said, it's called Naked and Afraid. And I was like, no, thank mm-hmm. you. Like, because I'm not. I'm not a nudist. I'm not the person who gets out there and gets naked. I barely skinny dipped in my life. So it was definitely outside my comfort zone. Mm. But it was the first season of the show and it was the most extreme survival concept that anyone had ever come up with. And so basically they drop you out in the wilderness with one other person, so male and female, and you don't know them and you get one item. So Mm. um, you have 21 days to survive. With one item. And the other person. Because you might not get along. Yeah, well, that's what they do. They try and Mm. match you up with someone that has... Create drama and conflict and... Yeah, absolutely. Because it is reality TV after all. So I did the first season and it went from this concept that nobody knew anything about to Mm. being uh, Discovery's biggest hit TV show. So they've done over 100 episodes so far. And, you know, they've gone from the 21 day, they do like a big 40 day challenge with... um, like a whole bunch of people rather than just the two mm-hmm. people. They keep begging me every 40-day challenge, like, please, come on, you know. Did you win? There's no winning or losing, you know. Basically, you last as long as you can last. And How long did you last? 21 days. <laughs> There's no way I'm tapping out. And what was your, what was your tool? Um, so I would have always brought a knife, um, but you give them three tools that you would bring out. And for me, it would always be a knife, a pot. And I mean, I can start fire by rubbing sticks together, but anytime you get a fire lighter in a situation, Mm. you're saving calories that you're burning. So, you know, it would be, it would be those three items and they gave me the fire lighter as my item. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then you have to be like, this is the one I chose. And yeah, <laughs> just, right. But, um, yeah, so it was it was an interesting concept. And to this date, producers say they've never put anyone in such a harsh environment as where they put me. So mm, oh, I was wow. in the Louisiana Swamplands and it was shit. Really? <laughs> mm. But, you know. How did the other dude go? Um, 
I mean, he survived too for the 21 days. If he goes, say on day 14, do yeah. you have seven days by yourself or once one person checks out? No, you, you, you can you, stay. Yeah, right. Yeah, but we had such extreme weather and we had such an extreme environment that most of my energy, he um, wasn't mentally prepared for the challenge and mm. most of my energy went into keeping Billy in the game because I needed whatever muscle he could provide each day. You know, we needed, it was the coldest May on record. We needed fire burning 24-7. So mm. a lot of our energy and, and stuff was collecting wood and, and if I just had that extra pair of hands, it just made made it. Mm. So every night Billy would quit and every night I'd talk him into staying one more day and you know, it was like we got yeah. through the 21 days. Yeah. It was pretty extreme. Did you... um? Like, how much of the show was uh, scripted? Like, you know how a lot of people say, oh, reality TV shows, this and that? Like, was there, was there I don't know, yeah. None for us. None. We were the experiment. So they, yeah. um, they wanted to make it as extreme as anything's ever been done. And so ours wasn't scripted. I know that sort of some of the later episodes and things like that, they ran out of survival experts. So now they've got like Zumba instructors and things mm. like that going out there. And, and that's kind of what I love about the show, though, because... You know, it's proving that anyone can do this. Survival mm. is such an elitist game where people think you have to be a big, tough, strong man to go out there. But it's really like the attitude that you go into the situation. Well, it's a true with. essence of us, isn't it? You know, we're, we're designed to survive. So yeah. when you take away all your comforts, it really comes down to, okay, what is what we're made to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and it all comes down to this. Like you can have the toughest guy with the most amount of gear and he can go out into a survival situation and crumble because mm. he's just not mm. mentally ready for it. And you can have like some little old granny that's wandered off into the wilderness on Easter weekend, you know, and she survives three months out there because mm. she's got what it takes up top. So, mm. What do you think it, it takes to have what it takes? Um. I know it's very cliche, but you need to be able to not dwell on what you don't have and be as positive as possible. You know, so there's that whole like, be positive. And (laughs) that's one of the things I teach in my motivational thing. Like people often tell you how, like to be positive, but they don't tell you how to be positive, you know, and it's like a muscle. Mm. I feel like if you flex it um, and practice it, then it will become your go-to eventually rather than, you know, something that seems so cliche. Mm. But I do think keeping a positive mental attitude and not focusing on the things you can't change are probably two of the most important things. Mm. So how would someone flex their positive muscle? Um, well, one of the ways that I talk about is um, realising that, like, you know, the, cliche, the the saying, this too shall pass. Right. So, you know, just recognising that whatever situation you're in may feel helpless or hopeless, but it it won't necessarily be forever. Mm. And just acknowledging that allows you to take a breath and sit with the situation and then maybe focus on on those things that you can change. Um, And I also, you know, by being positive, it is looking at what you can do something about and what you can't do something about. So the serenity prayer is one thing, like I'm not religious, but with that it's like let me change the things I can change and learn how to live with the things that I can't, you know. And the courage and then, to tell the difference. To, and the courage yeah. to tell the difference. And I think that's a really important thing. So when I'm out in the swamp for 21 days, I didn't talk about food. I didn't dwell on food. I didn't talk about being warm. I didn't think about being warm. I just mm. looked at what was going on and found ways to make improvements on, on the situation I had that were tangible and achievable rather mm. than being like, oh, I'd really like to have a bed right now. Yeah. You know, so that, that helps you 
be positive about the situation mm. you're in as well. And even I reckon in everyday experiences, um, just celebrating your wins. Yes. You know, as adults, we're so hard on ourselves. Yeah. We're so high achievers and it's good to have standards. You know, it's yeah. don't, don't ever decrease your standards. But I think it's super important that we celebrate our wins. Definitely. Um, and because then that can start to build inner confidence and trust in yourself yep. rather than going, oh, well done today, yeah, but. Yeah, but, yeah. It's, mm. you know, you're not installing that confidence, that self-belief, that acknowledgement of, hey, I actually worked for something and I achieved something. Yeah. And one of the things I, I talk to people about as well is um, like – so I had this hamstring injury and I was on the couch and I'm such an active person. Like I can't sit still for hardly any time at all. And all of a sudden I had to sit still. So in order to feel like I achieved something in a day, I'd make a list, but the list would be like, get up. We were talking about this today. <laughs> we just made a list. Oh, really? Uh, so we, we made a list. We were talking about lists. 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 Mm. It's so important. And, and like, so you feel like you've achieved something in a day. I'd literally have get up and mm. then I'd have do my exercises. I'd even put things like eat breakfast, mm. you know. So at the end of the day, even though there were things I would have done anyway, mm. I could just go, oh, I did that, I did mm. that, I did mm. that, you know. So, you know, that's again acknowledging the wins that you had in the day and, yeah. and, and the little successes as you go along. Yeah, and you get the little dopamine rush. I think at the end of the day, making a list, because I've just come back from a, a Vedic meditation course. Wow. And uh, I'm about to do a Vipassana retreat. That's huge. Yeah. How uh, long are you going for? It's a 10-day silent meditation. Yeah. yeah. So I'm super excited. Also a bit fearful of it as well. Definitely. And anyway, I did this uh, Vedic meditation. I've been meditating for a couple of years now, but this, uh, long story short, Vedic just really resonated with me and I just needed to do this. And Yeah. Anyway, uh, four days of going to this, uh, my teacher's house, and she taught me over four days how to do this and um, just totally changed my perspective on making lists. Right. You know, and, and defining what is success. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we make all these lists, but at the end of the day, these lists are just providing some comfort and some certainty, mm -hmm. maybe in some uncertain times. Definitely. And it's not meaning that lists are bad. It, it's you need some sort of hope to get you through, whether you're mm -hmm. religious, spiritual, whether you do your your lists or your gratitudes. You always hold on to something that's going yeah. to help you get, get you through. And it's really interesting that in a time where you were a bit uncertain and you couldn't move, mm -hmm. I needed to, you needed to hold on to something, make a list, feel good. That little feel good hormone snowballs yep. into a bigger snowball. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's just like pulling a truck. The hardest part's the first pull. But once you have momentum, maybe those lists aren't needed as much anymore and yeah. you find some other momentum to keep going as well. Yeah, mm. definitely. So it can be a big game changer. Mm. Mm. I love that. I really just am obsessed with like the, the understanding of evolution at the moment. I think it's just so fascinating to like take in my own personal development to learn more about, you know, the understanding and the concept of ego and then looking how that funnels and plays in my life and like, you know, again, like get a dopamine kick and all this sort of stuff and like mm. we really just are built to, to survive you know yeah. I just think it's fascinating I really do love it mm. another thing I love about it though is like that there's no right or wrong way of doing it like you're talking about the ego like so, that was so I wrote a book about survival mm. we probably discussed it last mm -hmm. time and one of the reasons I wrote it was because everybody um, was over complicating survival you mm. know and they were making it seem like there was one way of doing it like okay so this is how you make a fire and there's <laughs> no other ways I'm like there's like 70 different ways of <laughs> making a fire you know and, and, and yeah. so <laughs> yeah. 
I know it comes like there's a whole it's new meaning. Here, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when you, I know. Yeah, I can't I even on... <laughs> can't even say there's like so many ways to skin a cat. Now yeah, after yeah. all this rabbit skinning I've been doing, yeah. I'm like, yeah. but um, you know, so there's, there's, wait, there's only one way to skin a rabbit, though, right? No, there's so no, many ways to skin a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> There's this really cool method, like you pull a sock off. It's really weird. Oh shit! <laughs> but anyway, we won't get into that. Um, I don't know your audience. Yeah, but <laughs> they're uh, just rabbit skinning. Right. Yeah, okay, yeah. Perfect. Well, yeah. they love it. Venture Radio, rabbit yeah. skinning. Yeah. Um, but that's what you know. You, you can let go of all the ego around it because you can find your own way of doing it. Mm. You know, like with this making of the knife, I was like, "Well, am I going to do it wrong?" And and the person that was teaching me, he just kept saying, "There is no wrong way. Just do what you want to do with mm. it." You know, and and so you can just let go of all the ego out there and just play and experiment and, mm. and but even in the workforce it's like you know you have these these bosses and very stereotypically here you know you have these uh bosses that you know typically have a bit of an ego and, and this is the way i want you to do it and this is the way i teach you and, mm-hmm. and you know you get people in here that may be more creative than you a bit more abstract than you or a bit more literal thinking than you and they just see a different way and they can see some efficiencies but then it's like no well that's the wrong way to do it mm-hmm. it should be you work for the outcome, yeah. achieve the outcome, whichever path you want to take to get there, get there, I'll meet you there. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you can teach me a faster way. Yeah. But there's there's the right and wrong because it gives me authority, it gives me power, mm-hmm. you know, to have that over you. Yeah. Mm. So, and, and being a female in a survival world is always very fascinating too because you do come up with the characters that are like, here, let me show you, oh, I can yeah. show you how it's done. And it's mm. just like... You know, that, that's a real challenge to my ego at times too because, you know, you just – it constantly feels threatened and undermined a bit. So it, it's always good to for me to look at how I'm responding to situations and see if it's coming from my own stuff or what, what's going on out there. So Do you still notice a prevalence with that? In terms Absolutely. Of, yeah, right. Yeah, just, just recently I was doing a trip with a couple of guys and we were doing it in my home turf and uh, one was an American, one was Australian and then there was me but it was my – my outdoors mm. and um you know i the the dude would ask a question and i'd answer it and he'd like check with the other guy oh, just yeah. to make sure and i'd just uh. be like, like yeah. <laughs> really like, yeah. now still you yeah, know after yeah. everything i've done so there's definitely mm. i mean and i i get it i guess you know like if you've got a gladiator and me standing next to each other and somebody's mm. like um the world's coming to an end. Of course, you're gonna run to the big muscly dude. You know, like you're not gonna be like, well, maybe she's got some good skills. Mm. So. Maybe not. Like we just had an interview with a police officer. He was like in the Marine Corps from like 16 years old and all this sort of shit. And he was saying that like some of the worst soldiers are the big buffy ones that fucking are really slow right. and they can't carry shit and they just suck. You yeah. know. And like he said that he seemed like you know, a little, not, not little, but he didn't seem like, this is a mammoth of a bloke. He seemed like a, you know, standard five foot 11 sort of. You're saying I'm a bad soldier? Yeah. You're a bad soldier, mate. Bad soldier. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it's just, it's interesting. I think that the reason probably people would run to that gladiator is probably because what we see in the movies. Right. Absolutely. And you have a part to play in that. Well, you know, I also have a part to play with the strong female role it's models. True. It's true. It is very true. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm always playing the heroes, so yeah. it doesn't, well, used to. Yeah. And so how, talk to us about your hamstring. So what's the go there now? Like, um, so since we spoke, I, they then discovered a whole bunch of stuff in my hip. And so okay. they had to go back in and, and do that. And then, um, you know, and 
they seem to be very keen on labelling me as uh, 25% disabled. What? Um, which oh, they're I so think, quick to do that, uh, aren't they? But it, doesn't that just close your world in, in the fact that now that sets your limitation and it takes a strong person to not... Accept that. Accept that. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%. And it's like... You I know, just think it's hilarious because um, it's like I'm probably... Fitter and stronger than 99% of the world's population. Of the person telling you that. Yeah, right. Probably. And, you know, like I go, I, you know, I go to the gym and I'm very determined and I'll work out and, you know, like I'm super fit, super mm. strong. Mm. There's not much I can't do. And yeah. then I'm like, wow, guess what, people? This is 25% disabled, yeah. you know? I mean, yeah. that's, that's just ridiculous. But so. then, you know, what, what is a sad thing if you, there's people out there that may not be as, as you know, quotation marks, it's strong and may play a bit more of a victim and mm-hmm. then they're going to use that as an excuse. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm 25% disabled now. I can't do this. And now I snowball my weight and my health and all of a sudden they're cutting years off their life they might have diabetes and they're not a role model for their kids because they're using that as an excuse and yeah. just that one label that, that person has put on you in that time ha- could snowball and you know manifest into a completely different wor- uh, world for you yeah so so the thing i do with motivational speaking is my sort of tagline is don't let others put their limitations on you mm. um and the reason for that is the car accident i had at 19 um being told that i wouldn't be able to be physically active now um, now they treat that injury way differently. They keep you moving and they keep the muscles around and they keep everything moving and it probably would have been a completely different diagnosis and, and outcome anyway. Um, but I've met people who've said to me, like, oh, I broke my back too. And then they have listened to the doctor and used that as an excuse and used that as a reason and, and they're unfit and unhealthy and their back is just killing them and they can't mm. do anything in their life. And And... So the reason I speak with motivational speaking is to just tell people that, you know, listen to yourself, you know, like listen to your own voice and your own intuition about what's going on for you. And Mm. yes, doctors have degrees and yes, they have medical knowledge backing it, but you like there is no one body that is the same and no one body is going to respond to a situation like every other body. And so you got to listen to your own body and also doctors have to give you the worst possible case scenario like they have to say this is this is what it could be they have to cover their ass but they forget to tell you that it it might you know this is what it doesn't have to be either exactly you know so it's um i would also go as far as saying the doctors like i don't know like maybe there's not like a holistic perspective on health and wellness there like every experience i've had i mean i would go to a surgeon you go to a surgeon to get surgery you don't yeah. go to a surgeon to they get like a second opinion not the root cause no, of course they do and yeah. the people they hang around with are constantly val- validating the understanding yeah. that pharmaceutical drugs are good and they work and i'm not yeah. saying none of them don't work you know yeah. but so this book right they talks about this hamilton scale and i'm moving into depression here so yeah. not physical injury but like obviously mental health issues mm-hmm. there's this thing called the hamilton hamilton scale that measures the severity of depression with someone from zero to 51. And apparently, like a good SSRI, like a serotonin uptaker, um, decreases you from about 1.8 to about 1.8 points on the scale. So from 51 to 49.2, whatever it is, like from suicidal to maybe not as suicidal, it's like, it's significant. That's good. But like a good night's sleep is six points. A good night's sleep is six points. And you have a look about... Like, it's just always important to take an objective perspective, not only on yourself, but 
what we're doing in society. Yeah. And apparently, as the statistic states, over 50% of Americans are overweight, depressed, and on one form of pharmaceutical drug. Mm-hmm. And you just got to look at that and think, mm-hmm. fuck, like, is that working? Or maybe that people that are doing some sort of holistic approach maybe have an answer as well. Here's the thing, right? They're either taking that pharmaceutical drug and there's a, there's a nerve in our body called the vagus nerve and it runs from the head to the stomach or more importantly, the stomach to the head. There's nine times more receptors going from the stomach to your head. That's why they say the gut and brain connection is so strong. They take these pharmaceutical drugs and what it does is it tears their gut inside. And so, you know, on a really ease of conversation purposes, it sort of tears that signal to their brain. Mm. So it inter- interferes with your general receptors, mm. you know, um, dopamine could be one of them, you know. Mm. So uh, when they're on these pharmaceuticals, yes, it could be treating the symptom in the time, mm. but what's it treating to? What's it doing to treat the root cause over a long time? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, so sometimes maybe putting a band aid on is not the best thing. Oh, you know? I don't know that putting a band aid on is ever a good thing, mm. <laughs> unless you really do have a cut. Yeah, like you're ble- bleeding out real hard. <laughs> yeah. just, just relax, cut. <laughs> Even then, I just wash it out with a bit of water. Yeah, but... just brush some dirt in it. Yeah. Cut it with a knife. Yeah. The, the interesting thing we were talking about Wim Hof just before we started. Um, the podcast. Now, the interesting thing for me is he has been teaching this Wim Hof method for quite a number of years now and science is now catching up. Mm. So there was a scientist at a talk I went to recently and the guy's like, it's going to probably take us 20 years to catch up to what he's discovered. But science is now proving Mm. that the breathing and the ice baths have this incredible effect because they're now able to measure the rate of success and and what's happening in Mm. his body, but not just his body because Everybody was like, oh, yeah, he's the Iceman. He's this anomaly. But now they can take anyone. Mm. And within four days, they can be having the same body, bodily physical reaction to to stimulus that, that this Wim Hof who used to be thought mm. of as a god or just a complete anomaly mm. is. So, you know, they're now scientifically able to prove that the gut is so important and they're now scientifically able mm. to prove that breathing is very important and that cold showers can reduce the inflammation and this and that can be going on, you know. so mm. You know what, it's tough though and so I'm in the holistic field. So I use a science-based approach. So mm. I do DNA testing and then yeah. I match a nutritional and physical program to your DNA. And Interesting. And it's, it's freaking amazing and it's yeah. changing people's lives. And I use that science-based and it's evidence-backed uh, but then I put a whole holistic view on it and yeah. treat the root cause mm-hmm. of gut health. And from there, it, it just transcends into improving health and, and longevity, right? Um, don't know where I was going. Oh, yeah, but uh, sorry, a holistic view. It's hard to then make money on oxygen, tell someone to breathe properly. Right. Well, that's the thing. Right. If you actually you want to you decrease your stress, well, how about you breathe into your diaphragm? Right. And there was a study, uh, a Japanese study that um, has six breaths, uh, six deep breaths into your diaphragm is all it is the minimum effective dose in changing your uh, response. Um, and so if you teach someone just to breathe into their stomach, say 10 times before they go and eat, mm-hmm. and we're talking about gut and brain, and they're eating in a stressed out state, yeah, eating in a stressed out state might be okay one time. You mm-hmm. do it every single day. Mm-hmm which we do eat and tomorrow's going to happen, um, it just snowballs into a huge health problem that creates disordered eating patterns that yeah. then influences the brain. But you, you, I can't make money on telling you to eat. Uh, I, sorry, to, 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 to breathe, breathe, to change your stress response. Yeah. I mean, 
You can make money on teaching people that, yes, though. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. But when you're talking about big pharma and you're talking about no, competing absolutely. with doctors and surgeons, they're like, no, we'll take this medication because you can't. Show me your degree, dickhead. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. I've been breathing for my whole life. Yeah. That's, that's what they're so scared of, yeah. you know? Mm. Like, that's why they try and block it at every mm. – like, the doctors tell you that, you know, like um, – a friend of mine was super, super sick and um, he had a lot of thyroid problems and he was doing his own research and um, was told that um, he, I don't know, he needed to get his thyroid out, he had to have surgery. And he researched everything and found that paleo had, had some impact on helping with those issues. Mm. And, you know, he was getting depressed and, and anxiety ridden and stuff like that. So he... Um, spoke to his doctor and said, you know what, I've heard that paleo has had some kind of impact. And the doctor's like, well, that could be dangerous. Mm. And he's like, what, eating meat and vegetables? But you're not getting enough calcium <laughs> from milk, you know? Mm. Very important. It's like, it's like, what do you mean yeah. just eating meat and veg is uh, going to be dangerous yeah. to my yeah. health? What do you, you mean know? just like, eating whole food? Yeah. You know? yeah. But where's your sugar from? You know, yeah. apparently, apparently milk became really big in the States um, after the Second World War. Or I think it was the First World War when they were supplying all these like cans of milk over to the, to the soldiers because they needed some way to get them easy to drink whole foods and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And then when they came back, they had this massive supply of, of calcium and milk in these cans. Yeah. And they were like, fuck, what do we do with all this? So they started pumping out these marketing campaigns saying how nutritious they were. How's that? It's Insane. crazy the way, why things have gotten to where they've got to, mm. you know? Marketing and just money and shit. And yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. Mm. Yeah. I love it. So how's the motivational talks going then? Uh, they're you're, in, going- you're in Melbourne. Where are you currently living in? Torquay. Yes. So just the other side of Melbourne. Yep. Um, I was away in, you don't know much about me, so no. I'll Kai, Mac, you. Mac, Mac. <laughs> well, the listeners as well. I'm just a listener thoroughly enjoying sitting on my couch, <laughs> eating my food, listening to a live podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wasting my time. I should be doing so much of it yeah. right now. Eating milk. Eat breathing. That's true. I hope you are. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so I was in uh, America, North America, for 16 years, and then um, hamstring happened. And my That's what you're doing a stunt. Yeah. yeah and my whole family had moved from Adelaide to Torquay while I was gone. So it just seemed like the place to come back to. And mm. it's a beautiful little town. And I love it, you know. So um, I'm hardly ever there. I'm sort of, you know, you don't make knives in Torquay. Mm. And you can't definitely can't shoot animals because people look at you a bit weirdly. So I've been <laughs> doing a lot of exploring up in Queensland and uh, Western Australia, getting out bush as much as I can. You know, like the whole, the whole going back to nature I mean there's all these movements that are going on at the moment that I'm like oh, I'm part of that without even yeah. knowing you know like mm. the whole grounding you mm. know they talk about how important it is to be barefoot and, and that like I'm just 90 well done <laughs> you just need to be on the grass I'm on the floors. I'm barefoot <laughs> yeah. on my couch yeah, yeah. kill it kill it <laughs> But it's like, you know, so I mean, I'm like 90% barefoot out there mm. and then, you know, just talking about how important being in touch with nature is and all yeah. that sort of thing. So um, hardly ever in Torquay, but uh, loving life, doing my motivational speaking, mm. uh, right. I actually have like forced myself to sort of rent a little place away from everyone else because I'm trying to write my second book. But, okay. Mm. Um, that doesn't happen when I'm playing with knives and stuff. <laughs> hey, quick question. Yes. Uh, for someone who, um, you know, clearly I'm barefoot now and uh, get out and see the sun first thing in the morning to reset my circadian rhythm and uh, do Wim Hof breathing and yeah. uh, meditate every single morning and things like that. And I have this ideal world. Mm-hmm. Um, what is uh, What are some of the ways that you fit getting back to at the core essence of what 
we're meant to be in, in nature. How do you fit that into a successful third dimensional daily routine of work and family and kids and practicality? Well, I didn't have kids, so that was um, that was the first yeah. thing that was very helpful. <laughs> Don't do what everyone else is doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think the way you need to fit it in is to make it a priority, you know, make it important. So often um, we make time for things that are important to us, um, but the other little things that we think might be important sort of fall by the wayside. And I get quite a lot of people saying to me, like, oh, man, you know, you inspire me, but I, I could never go outdoors. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you just, like, right next to Torquay is, um, I think it's the Yu Yangs or whatever, you know, like, you can drive there and, mm. and go for a hike. It takes an hour. The beach is right there. Like, just make, um, even if it's 15 minutes a day, mm. make those things a priority. Like, you find that, um, the getting back to nature and the things that you're doing with the Wim Hof breathing and meditation and you may not need as much sleep doing those mm. things. You know, they're the things that light you up and give you energy and inspire you. So I think the main thing is to just start. Mm. You know, that's the hardest part with any of this stuff is, mm. um, is realise that... So coming off a major injury, like I hate being unfit, you know, mm. and I spent three months in a wheelchair had a full brace thing mm. and all I could do for three months was do this. Yeah. You know, and so um, I hate starting from scratch because I know that then I'm going to be sore, I'm going to be tired, mm-hmm. I'm going to be just like uncomfortable but I also know that eventually I won't be so um, it's just the starting, yeah. I think. You may be a little bit tired but Wim Hof breathing takes – five minutes to Mm. do three rounds of breathing. Um, They say five-minute cold shower at the end of Wim Hof, but they've cut that down to realising that 30 seconds of a cold shower is enough. So you don't actually have to have the cold shower the whole time. Mm. You can have a warm shower in the last 30 seconds. You just turn it off. You're in the shower anyway. So these are things that don't require a great deal of adjustment. They're things that you're doing anyway. And, you know, three minutes of breathing can take – I mean, three rounds of breathing can take five minutes. So just set your alarm for – 625 do your mm. breathing when you're having the shower turn it to cold you know you can make minute adjustments that don't you know take a lot out of your time of day but can give you mm. such great health benefits like go barefoot mm. you know at first your feet will be a little bit sore but um you know if you are going for a hike just take your shoes off for five minutes go out into your back lawn wander around mm. on the back lawn for five minutes while you're mowing the lawn or something you know probably not the safest thing in the world to be mm. mowing with no shoes but just just mm. even having it in the back of your mind and making a, a commitment to it, I think you can make little changes which have a big impact on yeah. you. Yeah, well, we've just laid some turf and so we're in the middle of watering it every single night. Yeah. And so I just I have shoes off, compulsory, yeah. just takes 20 minutes, half hour to, to water all the lawn there and yeah. just it's grounding right before bed. Yeah, mm. and bring the outside inside, you know, like get mm. some pot plants, you know, mm. like... Mm. They call them pot plants. Here. Yeah, okay. yeah. In America, they Those don't. Things? Yeah, in what America, do they, call them over there? Oh, they just call them house plants, and everybody thinks that I start growing marijuana and yeah. stuff. They're just uh, like, oh, you've got the pot plants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> start smoking marijuana. You know, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. You should fill your house with pot yeah. plants. <laughs> That's true. I definitely. <laughs> so, what would you say to someone then that is like sort of in the pre-contemplation stage, in the stages of change model? You know, where they're they're like, because what I find is that. You know, I'm not. I don't try to be motivational. But if someone asks me about something, I'll say what really works for me. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Oh yeah, that's really cool." You know, and then someone will probably be inspired for like 
two minutes mm-hmm. and then we'll just go back to doing the shit. They just, they keep doing. Do you know what I mean? I've got a good an- analogy. Sorry, mate. You're not Kai. <laughs> yeah, go, on. <laughs> go on, Kai. <laughs> so it'd be a similar thing as like, I don't know, you're driving on the road, um, you're on your phone when you shouldn't be on your phone mm-hmm. and then there's like a police car and you hear the police car behind and then it's like, you're like, oh, fuck. And then it drives past you and you're like, oh, and then like you're driving really, really well for like a day and then yeah. you're just on your phone straight away again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same shit again. So like, what would you say to someone that's in, in that level? Well, I think it's it's really hard. Like you would probably find this in what you do because you is that <laughs> another another say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All the cliches and expressions here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, and you know, people ask you for help, and you can see what what will make big changes in their life. And and you know, like my dad is very much struggling with his health, and I know that if he went gluten free, sugar free, then that would be. 90% of mm. the inflammation in his body would be knocked out. And um, I, when I'm home, I make sure that he's eating that way and he feels so much better. I leave and he goes back to normal things. So mm. um, it's it's really hard because you could only give the people the information and it's like this seesaw. You have like the want and the need mm. there and it's like they have to get to a stage where they feel like um, their life is going to be better if they make the changes. Mm. Um, and I... I guess, you know, the thing with natural remedies is it's not an instant fix. You know, that's why people go to drugs. You know, like I've got a headache. Yeah, I could do the Wim Hof breathing or I could just take this Panadol. You know, and that Panadol takes two seconds to down. Wim Hof breathing in a cold shower will take 10 minutes out of my day. And and, I've got to do something. And I've got to do something. So, um, you know, it's encouraging people to know that it takes longer but it's a way more positive effect on your body and way more lasting mm. in, in the long run. And Well, prevention's better than cure, right? Right. And so as humans, we're motivated either towards pleasure or away from pain. And yeah. a lot more people are motivated away from pain. Yeah. And so even with your hamstring injury, like just say you might not see a physio or a chiro or whatever, and then all of a sudden you're in enough pain. It's like, nah, I've got to go see someone about my hamstring. I've got to go see someone about my back, yeah. about, about my sleep mm-hmm. or whatever. And it costs them money yeah. versus preventing that, yeah. going towards pleasure and yeah. going, okay, excellent for me to improve my sleep. I'm, I need to get sunlight first thing in the morning. I need to, no matter what, I'm going to walk the dog tonight in barefoot. Right. Um, and it's, it's those little things that keep me going. I think prevention, because I've been injured before mm-hmm. and it gets you down mentally more yeah. than it does physically. Well, oh, for me anyway. For sure. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. And I just don't ever want to start again because I know what it takes to get back to the level. So mm-hmm. anything like just during that injury period, anything is better than nothing. So mm-hmm. prevention is better than cure. More, moving toward pleasure than waiting for pain to hit, enough yeah. pain. Like, for example, with your dad, same thing with my parents, you know, they, they're, they're getting older. In fact, probably not as now because they've done the DNA testing and their dad's lost 15 kilo, mum's lost That's just under amazing. 10, like they've added years to their life. But yeah. up until, say, a year ago, uh, their health was rapidly declining. Mm-hmm. And then I said to uh, mum and dad, both of my, or all of my grandparents died when I was too young. And they had, uh, and some of them had Alzheimer's as well. So it wasn't a very nice feeling being a kid, mm-hmm. knowing that your parents don't, or your grandparents don't know who you are. And, and obviously with the DNA testing, that's uncovered that. And so I said to mum and dad, being in the health and fitness industry for so many years, you can't force someone on, you can't force your philosophies on. No, you no. you yeah. can see yeah. what they need, yeah. but you can't tell your parents to do something. Mm-hmm. They're your parents. Yeah. Yeah. They tell you what they to do. They tell you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> and so there was enough pain caused here because I said to them, hey, listen, I'm going to be having kids with Perry. Yeah. Uh, I don't want yeah. what happened to my kids, what happened with me, with my grandparents. Guys, you are on your way to premature Alzheimer's at 65. (laughs) Um, And, you know, you're you're taking years off your life with your current lifestyle. And Mm. that was enough pain for them to move towards pleasure. Now they've got that snowball going. Now they've totally changed their life. Now Mm. they've totally changed their diet. Now they're working in sync with their DNA. Mm. It's crazy. But for me, why wait? It's easier to say why wait to get enough pain. But I think a lot of people need to get into a state of pain to really be hungry for pleasure. What also is hard to explain is the fuzziness that comes along with, like, you get into survival mode. Mm. You know, like, the fight or flight is just firing and, and um, like, they talk about the whole reptilian brain and all that sort of that sort of thing. But, you know, like, if you're foggy and just merely getting by and getting through, it's a very hard place to, to just stop and make positive change mm-hmm. from, you know, because if you're super, super tired, mm. then... Um, all you want is caffeine every morning yes. and it's hard to explain to somebody like you know what that caffeine's actually sort of helping making you tired because your body's really acidic as a result of it yes. you know and, and of course for every study that comes out it's like coffee's bad there's like somebody going but coffee's good because I want to drink it you know yeah. like so um, the you know it, it's it's sort of the, the brain, I think what you're talking about, the gut brain thing, like mm. um, that's the thing with my dad is it gets really, really foggy. And so you get really tired and you're like, okay, what's my go-to when I get tired? I'll hit a sugar or mm-hmm. hit a caffeine. Mm-hmm. You know? And so you just get in this, this roller coaster, but you can't get enough clarity. Like in survival, we talk yeah. about the stop, look and listen. So basically um, the surest way you're going to end your life is by not thinking about and not making a plan. So the first thing you do when you realize everything's gone to share is you stop and you sit down for a second. And even if you just make a cup of tea or or just give yourself a moment to, to have that clarity and then from that space you can go forward. But we just don't stop looking to sit in life. You know, mm. we don't take that second to have that clarity to be like, mm-hmm. okay, well, this really isn't working. But also we're surrounded by people who've done it for years. You know, mm. well, my grandparents did it and yeah. they're all fine and... And I say, well, were they though? But, you know, we're also looking at generations that had cleaner food and cleaner air and yes. less chemicals, less less sort of cell phones and mm. all things floating around. So, you know, mm. we're in a generation, we don't know how to deal with it, but everything around us is creating a fog and a fuzz that's very hard to get mm. clarity from. But it also shouldn't even matter what anyone else does, what your parents did or your grandparents did. That's like, cool, like... Who cares if they were even like the happiest people in the world? Like you're not them. Like you got right. to figure out the shit that works for you. You know. I think it's just easy to justify behavior. Oh, but it is. Oh, it know? is. Like it's so easy. Like you know, when you're a kid and you got yeah. into trouble, you're like, but he did it first. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's like when you're a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very true. Yeah. yeah. No, but like taking my dad for example, and I know he'll be listening to the show, so I love him. I love your dad, but you know, he's a classic example of someone that goes, oh, you know, like, but. Oh, sure, I could probably afford to use, lose a few here, but like, you know, uh, I mean, it's not near as bad as, you know, or yes. this and that, mm-hmm. you know, all it's like, oh, it's okay because I'm not as bad as this person. Or yeah. this, you know? And I like, it's not just my dad. I've done it probably a million times before, you know, yeah. all this sort of stuff, but it's a, it's not a good trait to fall into no. if you want to have a better life, you know. Yeah. I, I read somewhere that... um you were talking about like studies of coffee being bad and coffee being good and stuff. And there's like... um 
that whole big thing coming out, you know, or that did come out. And it was like, wine is, you know, alcohol is great because it gives you plenty of antioxidants, yeah. especially red wine. It's beautiful, yeah. you know, and apparently like the amount of wine it would take to actually get the reward of the antioxidants is like so much. That yeah. You would have to pretty much have alcohol poisoning. But I, I probably bet a million bucks that the people behind that um, survey were the alcohol companies themselves. Sure they you were. Know? Like people, yeah. people don't do enough research. Nah. Like the internet is this amazing place. Right. Oh, sweet. Like, I am a, I'm a Google freak, you know, mm. like you tell me something, I'll be like, oh yeah, really? And I'll be like, yeah, yeah. like just like, cause mm. I love having all the access to information mm. on my fingertips. But the thing that people don't realize is anyone can put that shit on the internet. Yeah. You know, like anybody can get on the internet and be like, you know, red wine is the yeah. best thing ever. Mm-hmm. And then if you're a person that's looking for things to back up, like I did a mouse experiment when I was a kid, you know, like bred the me- mice, bred the mice, I bred the mice and <laughs> got them to run through the maze, mm. you know, and I wanted so desperately to prove that it worked. I twisted everything. So the mice did exactly what I mm. thought it would do, yeah. you know, and I proved the theory, but probably fudged it a bit. And that's, yep. you know, you will always find the information to back up the argument yep. that you want to make. Um, and especially on the internet when there's people who are, are just throwing out bits of information mm. that make them feel comfortable and, and allow for them to have the lifestyle they want as mm. well, you know? Yeah, definitely. And especially the way the internet's set up. Like, you go on YouTube, recommended for you is yeah. a way to constantly like validate, oh, fuck, I'm right. Yeah, yeah. this is shit. This is shit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I remember I was talking to Matt before, like nine, ten months ago, I, I got into like, I really got into like US politics and I was like really fascinated by it. And then I watched like one kind of like, you know, conservative sort of video. And then within weeks, I was like a real fucking like conservative. You know, I wasn't yeah. real nuts, nuts on it, but I was like, yeah, you know what? Facts don't care about your feelings. They're all this like real hectic shit. Yeah. And it took me, I don't know. Did a you week lose or, a lot of friends? Uh, no. Just, <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes. I'm just checking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but it was, it was quite interesting because like um, I came out of it and I was like, wow. Like I just spent, not that I cared, you know, but I just spent all this time like, trying to think of like good arguments to talk to people about this sort of stuff and like who cares yeah. it doesn't even matter to yeah. me you know like it was just I can't control any of this stuff that I'm getting so up and about over but you know in a lot of the ways like we can be bred to become these things of ha- habit creatures mm. of habit you know and I, I do think it is a matter of eventually the scales tipping you know like I I know my dad won't listen to this podcast <laughs> so I'll Feel free Mr. to talk Ferno, about come it. on. <laughs> Mr. Burford. Ferno. Sorry, Mr. Burford. Mr. Ferno was someone else. Yeah. Mm. Ferno was a married name for a work visa back in yeah. Canada a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's now Mr. I mean, I mean, no disrespect for John Ferno, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Um, so, Mr. Burford, he, like, you know, he'll eat a cliff bar because he thinks it's healthy, and mm. within minutes, you know, he's fuzzy and foggy and he can't see. Mm. And to me, Shit. that's a direct correlation I'm like yeah that was like 300 grams of sugar that you just had and now you're having this effect on your body and yet it still doesn't flip that switch Mm -hmm. so I mean that's the biggest thing is when you see someone you love doing doing things that you know you want to that you know that you could make it better and the only thing I find is it really started straining our relationship because I'd, yep. I'd walk in and he'd be eating breakfast. I'm like, Dad, that's gluten and you've got sugar and yeah. the coffee. What are you doing? You know, and then he didn't like being around me as much too. So, like, I find that even though you know mm. the information, you want to make change for the people that you love, like – all I can do is lead by example. So dad's always saying, wow, you know, like you look the fittest you've ever been. And mm. I'm like, gluten-free, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, just um, 
just leading by example is probably the best that I could I could do. Yeah. Like, I mean, for me, the impact on my body of this lifestyle choice is so huge. Like, because I get bruised a lot, you know, just doing a lot more archery. And like, I keep hitting myself here. I get massive bruises and yeah. they're so thick in a day. And then I'll go to sleep and I wake up the next day and they're gone. Mm. You know, so the body is just operating at just this high level of rejuvenation each mm. night. And, mm. and it's alkaline. So it's just flushing all, all the stuff that needs to do. I heal so quickly mm. I've got so much energy and it's all you know so to me that's like okay well I can I can do that for me I just mm. can't I think yeah I think that's a really important point to take away especially for our listeners it's like we not you can't change anyone you know no. and I think the more you try to change someone the more resistant to the change they will be and we also have to recognize the fact that you know we may not have it right and like the way what really works for us may not work for them so we, we always have to be on this constant state of wanting a better life for ourselves and then also trying to do the we need we need to be our own test bunnies you know yeah. and everyone in the world um if they want a better life for themselves is we should always i guess want to develop and grow to take that responsibility to try many different things you know mm. and it's really important mm. yeah i mm. mean and i I just pull it back, you know, if someone asks me like, wow, you know, like you look like you're in good shape at the moment, what are you doing? Then I'll explain and I'll sort of explain the reasons behind it. But, mm. you know, unless someone asks, I just realize that, mm. you know, I'm not you, like I'm not getting paid to, to give them advice about their life. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, what else then? What else have you been up to? Since uh, so we've established that it was eighteen months ago that we hung out. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, are you still doing anything in the stunt world, or is that just a past no, life now? Or? That's been really, you know, really hard for me to let go of. Yeah. When um, it was a massive goal and dream, and not one I had for a long time. I like, I was twenty six when someone suggested I should be a stunt performer, and I didn't even know they existed. You know, mm. I, I was sort of wandering around. I was an outdoor guide. Why did they say that you should be a stunt? Oh, because I was like playing this really cool game of gladiators so yeah. <laughs> with some school kids on some sand dunes. So like I had a couple of kids at the top and a whole bunch at the bottom and I was like, gladiators, are you yeah. ready? Yeah. You know, so I did this thing. I guess I did like some backflip on the way down. Yeah. And this, kid the was, yeah. <laughs> this kid was like, you should be a stunt woman. And, uh, you know, no idea who it was, but then it just sort of got in my head and mm. I, when I didn't want to be in the outdoors anymore, mm. um, I still wanted a job that was different every day. It was super active and really challenging. And I'd always played superheroes as a kid. You know, I was a bit mm. of a Marvel geek. So I was always dressing up as like Batman, or not Batman, but Batgirl, yep. um, Supergirl, whatever, mm. you know, Wonder Woman. It was always those things for me. So it just seemed like an interesting career mm. to move into that. And so from that moment, I'd always been like, right, I'm going to be a stunt performer. And then I worked so hard to achieve that goal that I was really proud of that identity. So mm. um Letting go of that's probably been the hardest thing for me. And also coming to terms with the fact that um, I have this strange thing inside myself that doesn't allow me to acknowledge my own successes, what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, so even though I did 16 years in the industry, I won two awards for the stunt stuff that I did, I felt I failed, mm. you know. And um, Really? Yeah. And so it's so just... I don't know. I don't even know why, you know, like because... What, what would have been success to you then if we explore right. that? Well, see, that was the interesting thing. Mm. I, I don't know, maybe choosing to walk away from it rather than having it torn away from me, but I never would have walked away from it. And it really was getting very detrimental to who I was both mentally and physically. So I needed to step away from the industry and I wasn't listening to the universe. So the universe was like, all right, well, how about something you yeah. have no choice in listening Absolutely. to? Absolutely. So... Um, 
you know, you definitely can't work through your hamstring being completely torn off. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> See, I failed. It was the strangest thing for me because, like, um, I was working on this television series. It was the best job I think I've ever done. And um, I was having so much fun, but it was the hardest work I've ever done. You know, mm. I got to fight every day and was working with, like, one of the best fight coordinators in America. And it was, it was really fun. Um, and I was, it was probably a job for two female stunt performers, but I was so determined to do every stunt. So I was really working hard and um, I had to tackle a linebacker as one of the stunts and he wasn't a stunt performer. He was just a, they call them like action actors. Right. So you have to be really careful of them because they're quite physical and they believe that they're physical, but they can be really gung-ho and they just don't know how to... Um, take a hit or yeah. move like a stunt performer. Mm. So there's a bit of a difference. Anyway, had to tackle this linebacker. So the first couple of takes, it was like, okay, dude, just be light on your toes. And it's not my job to tell him what to do. The stunt coordinator was sort of doing that. Be light on your toes. When she hits, you just go down. Okay, cool. So the first couple of takes did that. Third take, I guess nobody told him and we forgot to tell him. So I tackled him and instinct kicked in and he put his like elbow <laughs> underneath my rib cage. Oh. And I was just like, oh, oh Jesus. Yeah. And I was like, that was not good. Yeah. And I sort of was like, oh man, I think I might've broken ribs. But then the... Um, um, director's like, great, great. And I went flying, like six foot flying, like crashed on the ground. And the director's like, love it. Let's yeah. do it again. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, nah, well, that's my job. So I got up and I did it again. And um, like, you know, sweating from the pain a bit, but I'm like, no, I can handle this. And then um, the next day I had to do another fight sequence where I was getting thrown to the ground continually. And I, I knew I was in trouble because I couldn't really cough very well, but I was like, no, nah, I've got to do this fight sequence the next day. So by the end of that, that day of being thrown to the ground, my whole body just went into shock and I went to the hospital and I'd collapsed my lung and mm. cracked a couple of ribs. So there's nothing you can do about that. Mm. So I was like... Do the directors get up... Because it's Hollywood, I can only assume they're, going to get, they're either going to go two ways. They're either going to be really annoyed and upset and pissed off or they're going to be quite caring and considerate. Or that you were in hospital, you cracked a... Nah, nut. you just get on with it. You, you just know, do it? Like, yeah, I mean, the production knew I went to hospital and they were like, you okay? And I'm like, yeah. It's cold let's just <laughs> Let's right. just keep Bobby going. Yeah. Yeah. I was, and, you know, breathing into this thing to reinflate the lung, you yeah. know. I was like, okay, we'll just get on with it. And then, Shit. so the next fight sequence we did, uh, we had to start rehearsing for it the next day. And I was like, it's okay, you know, like, let's just not do any hits here. So, you know, like, any time I got thrown, they were throwing me from this side and I was, like, just fighting as normal, just sort of nursing it. And then two fight sequences later I was fighting with another action actor and he was swinging a pool cue around and um, we do have rubber ones but this one he was using the real one and he forgot the sequence of moves so part of it is he swings a pool cue at me and I have to duck under it and like come up and do another move and he did that move like three moves too early so all I could do was like get my hand up and the pool cue smashed my hand Ugh. and everyone heard it and everyone's like and I'm like keep going you know yeah, like yeah. so you don't want to waste the take so mm. we finished the whole take and I looked at my hand and it was just like and everyone's like what do we need to do I said we need to keep filming this fight sequence had like shattered the bones like here you can see it yeah, so then wow. I've got like cracked ribs and a broken hand yeah. and I'm like we could keep fighting. Yeah. <laughs> so Right. So then rather than do any punching moves, we were doing all like elbows and blocks oh, yeah. from this side and punches from that and trying to avoid the ribs and then yeah. Shit, so then yeah. the hamstring went. And then I kept fighting on the hamstring for another 
10 episodes too, but we wow. just would work – that's why it fell off eventually. We yeah. just work around it. Like, so no kicks on this leg, no punches with his hand. No wow. with, like, I just wasn't listening to the signs, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I just loved it and wanted to keep going, but mm. it really wasn't for me anymore. So if you felt like a, a failure, what is your definition of success now? And how close are you to being fulfilled in that? Um, that's a really good question. I don't think I've defined success for me from here. Um, I, oh no, I, I, I have. So I've, when I realized I would have to get out of stunts, I had, I started putting a game plan in action and my game plan was, um, to be the host of my own TV show. So we look at reality television and the role models for women and girls on reality TV, um, are the epitome of everything that's sort of the negative characteristics of females, um, so-called cliche female characteristics and um, my nieces were like I want to be Paris Hilton's BFF you know like that's what they want to do with their life and and they believe that the way you interact with human beings is by screaming and yelling and pouting and all that sort of thing so I realized that you know whereas we're okay with having these really strong female role models on television in fiction mm. we haven't let that come into non-fiction yet so there are some strong women but then everyone's like yeah but they're butch and they're manly and they could do that because they're that so my goal became to become a host of my own tv show so i could prove that women can be feminine and strong mm. um and you know exhibit um behaviors that females could emulate and be proud of you know and know that you could be self-reliant and self-confident and and not that you don't need men because I am not a avid feminist like oh please open my door carry my groceries <laughs> you know like I believe men should be men and okay uh, yeah. <laughs> except for you you can yeah. be whatever you I'll like <laughs> but you know like I feel that men are lost too mm. because women are expecting them to be way more feminine with what they're you know and they're, they're taking these things away from men and then they are like, ah, we got what nobody knows who they're mm. supposed to be and how they're supposed to be. That's why I love the outdoors, you mm. know. Like, it, it's working awesome. together. Yeah, you know. And For sure. I, and so I think that that is my goal. I consider it a success if I had my own TV show with me as the host of it, showing, you know, that you know I don't really care what I do, but hopefully it would be nature um, mm. for me. In order to get people to love nature, you have to show it to them in its best possible light. Too often on television, we've gone like this, don't go out there, it's really scary. And mm. honestly, my episode of Naked and Afraid, I wouldn't venture out the front mm. door after watching that either. You know, it looks scary, it looks terrible, it was horrible, you mm. know. Um, but I think that Steve Irwin left a huge hole in the world as far as people that are passionate about the outdoors and getting outdoors so if i could be the host of my own tv show that um you know featured the outdoors in a really positive light that would be success for me so, so why don't you consider yourself a success now um i do now okay but i had to do a lot of work on it mm. um and i i don't know why i think that was just this thing in me that i never felt good enough you know i mean i'm sure that we all have it mm -hmm. um and and you know, we either recognize it or not to varying degrees. But to me, it was about not celebrating the successes, you know, like I went to a country, I didn't know anybody, I didn't have any transferable skills, I was not the right look or shape to be a stunt double. And, you know, like, and I had all these things working against me. And I became a stunt performer in Hollywood, you know, like, it, I, I succeeded. Yeah, for sure. But um, there's that thing in you that is like, I can't, 
I could probably only remember three stunt days that I finished and went, yeah, I did a great job. Mm. You know, like there's always that part of you that's like, well, I could have done that a little bit better. And so I think it, it is, again, that learned behaviour that we're talking about as far as being positive. You also have to learn to um, to back off on the judgement of yourself, mm. you know, and acknowledge the cool things that you can do and, and, and the successes. And I think I just had to learn that. Mm. Um, I don't know where it came from. I think I've always, always been very self-critical um, and always looking how I can do better next time. Mm. So I think that was all part of it. But yeah, it was very, it was a very strange thing to realize when I walked away from something that I didn't feel like I'd succeeded, even yeah. though I'd achieved more than I ever, ever hoped. Mm. And probably more than what people that have like wanted to be stunt performers their whole lives will ever do. Right. You mm. know what I mean? That the Taurus World Stunt Award, they've only had like, 13 or 14 of them ever because that was just something the actors in Red Bull came up with when they realised that we didn't get any acknowledgement at the Oscars. So yeah. they were just like, wow, there's all these people that are really busting their ass. Like these are the people putting their lives on the line for mm. our entertainment and mm. we're not getting acknowledged. So they came up with these World Tourist Stunt Awards and it's, it's a huge deal. Like it's voted from all of the peers in the world and so to get one of these, it's the epitome of, of a stunt career. Mm. And so to... You know, I mean, I never dreamed that big. There was no mm. way I was ever going to get a stunt award. Only, only like the best of the best got that. So it's just a shame that you didn't get it. Unfortunately, no. I'm <laughs> yeah. And it's this big, yeah. and it's in yeah. mum and dad's yeah. living room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember um, when we were chatting last time. Um, you mentioned that you perform, like you touch a, a tattoo or something just before you go out and oh yeah, and make a public speech. Is that something you still do? Um. I keep that in mind. Okay. Um, so basically I have a tattoo that says, uh, I'm not afraid I was born to do this. And everyone thinks it was for stunts, but it was for public speaking. Because when my book came out, I had to talk to a lot of people mm. and I would get terrified. And, and um, it's part of that thing that, um, I mean, it happens for me. I don't know how many other people it happens for, but um, I'm like, why me? You know, I still find that with my motivational speaking. You know, when you live a life, it just seems like, it's Stand nothing off. extraordinary. You're mm. just going through day to day. And so I still really struggle with the idea that anything I have is of benefit to anyone else, you know. So um, standing... I think we can all nod to that. Yeah. So so standing up in front of a group of kids, it's like, why me? What am I doing? Like, I just... Mm. I shouldn't even be here. Yeah. I'm still one of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, this this is just silliness and they're really simple things. And, mm. Yeah. You know, but um, so, yeah, now... I'm probably less so. I've done a lot more of it. Um, but yeah. still I use it for a lot of things. Like just recently filmed a teaser for my own TV show. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, which no is shit. featuring the outdoors in a positive yeah. light. Um, but a teaser is just something that a production company looks at you and says, you know what, we think you have enough potential to get on television so we're going to believe in you. So they make a That's huge. what they call a sizzle reel or a teaser. It's like a two-minute promo of a show they think you'd be good in and then they shop it around. So mm. um, one of the biggest production companies in Australia did that one for me. They do Outback Truckers and Opal Hunters. And so it's, it was a really huge thing. They got a professional director in to do it. And um, so that just recently got finished and they're going to right. shop that around. But going into that, I was like, 
like, oh my God, I'm not good enough and everyone's going to see and everyone's going to realize, everyone's going to realize that I don't know much about survival, which is absolute crap because I wrote a book and I know what I'm doing. I've done a car, like I've done a lot of episodes of reality TV. Like I know, I know what I'm doing. Um, But that's the sort of thing that I just sit back and think like, okay, now this is everything, you know, I'm not afraid. This is everything's come to this moment and this is what I was born to do. So Mm. I Mm. still use it. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's, um, interesting to like hear that perspective because it's you know it's one thing where you, you grow up and you just naturally fall into these things and then you're like well fuck like why does every any anyone like care at all about yeah. what i'm doing here but yeah. then you look and then lots of people have no idea i remember mac and i had a conversation that actually blew my mind more than you probably know it did mm. um we were um we were in Iceland, actually, just leading a trip on a bench trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, 2018 coming to, up in December. We'll do it again. But anyway, we were having a chat and Mac was talking about some of, um, you know, the people that he's dealt with, with, um, with nutrition and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, we're all pretty health conscious and all this sort of stuff. So we know that drinking a lot of water is good and, you know, trying to have like whole foods with good sort of levels of balance, macronutrients and things. And we know meditation is good and, mm-hmm. you know, we've had... we. Being mobile is good. And I remember you said that um, you spoke to someone that thought it was okay that, you know, she wasn't having drinking any water in a day and having six coffees a day and not eating until whatever. And it just fascinated me that like people and, you know, everybody's an expert at something, you know, yeah. and there are things that I don't even know that I'm fucking up real bad. Absolutely. You know, but it just fascinated me that like some people can just have absolutely no idea in, in what I would assume to be integral parts of healthy living. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I can't yeah. believe I get paid for what I do. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Sure. And it seems like common sense. Doesn't yeah. That's it? what I mean. Yes. And like, I get up and I do talk about these four attitudes and it's just like be positive, be prepared, be adaptable and educate yourself. And I'm like, I know these are common theories, mm. but it's uncommon for people to use them in an mm. everyday practice. Mm. And that's all I'm suggesting is like focus on these things every day. Mm. But they are it's simple. Drink more water. Like, you know, like I shouldn't be, I shouldn't even be telling you this. Yeah, you know, yeah. we should be doing it. Yeah. But I think what people don't get is the how, you mm. know, like how do I, like, um, you know, when people say to me, how do I drink more water? I'm like, okay, well, look, get two water bottles and just make sure at the end of the day you finish them. And they're like, oh, you know, yeah. like, well, that I can do. So I don't have to inject it? Right. But See? it's like they have a visible goal. Yeah. And they can... They, Tangibility. Right. Yeah. And it's just like somebody not airy-fairy going, drink more water and you're having to think, well, is that eight glasses mm. or is that this mm. or is that that? You mm. know, like just providing them with a, a, what seems to me to be a really sensible yeah. key, but... To someone else, I don't think about it. Yeah. And I also on like the point that you're saying about, I mean, I think it's really important. Like you guys just doing this podcast and opening it up and chatting it, mm. and making time and giving energy and effort to that. You know, like mm. even though, um, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but I know at some stage you and Bill were talking about whether or not you were going to keep going with it or what was the point of it all. You know, but yeah. but every one person that listens to it and finds a key in it you've changed the world you mm-hmm. know? so last night I did this um, motivational speaking at Warragul and I was talking to these business management managers and um, the people they represent and I got in there and it was like a whole bunch of farmers and really old people and um, that's not generally my audience you know I'm <laughs> saying to these people like don't 
don't let others put limits on you and go yeah. for your big goals mm. and dreams. Yeah. And like, whatever I want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like they're like like 85. Like their goal and dream <laughs> is to like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their goal and dream is to go home and be in bed right yeah. now. You know, yeah. like yeah. and I I just put all that aside. I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm just gonna tell my story. And hundred mm, percent. Right. And maybe one person in the room will walk away. There was like two or three hundred people there. I'm like, mm. maybe one person will walk away with something. At the end of the night, this like 85-year-old guy came up to me, like he barely walked and he sat down and he said, I just wanted to let you know that what you talked about was so relevant to me. He said, I um, had a thing where my blood pressure went down and I passed out about a year and a half ago and I've had terrible anxiety ever since and, and slight depression. And he said, and every time I come to a public event, I usually get carted off in an ambulance. And he said, but some of the things you said tonight were so relevant to me. And he said, I'm going to put them into practice. Mm -hmm. He said, I really think it will help. And I was just like, like almost Mm, in tears. I'm just like, that's why I do it. You know, For sure. You can't mm. pick who it's going to impact and no. you can't choose who'll take something away from it. And, mm-hmm. and it's the unexpected, you know, and, mm. and the fact that he got through that entire event and didn't end up being carted out in an ambulance because of something I'd said mm. is just like, like amazing. Mm. You and know? it's also like just to, you know, honestly, like pump the tires up a little bit more here as well. Is it like for someone who's 85 years old to have had like maybe... Um, poor habits like ingrained in his life for that mm-hmm. long to, to make a change at that time like right. it's massive massive yeah, yeah absolutely massive that's what mm. I thought as well yeah. you because know? most of them are like oh what's the point you know yeah. I don't know, you know I'm already far I'm already dying <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> life's been good I've lived it this way forever yeah. you know so it was, yeah, yeah it was I just wonder if sometimes that you know like maybe sometimes people don't know how to change habits and things as well but like uh, I just wonder sometimes that maybe people like know exactly what they need to do, but they just don't because they just don't really want to. Like right, there's something in there, you know? They probably a- don't want to admit that it's their fault. Yeah. I think that's a big mm. one. Mm. I think that really is a big one. Yeah. Because that's the thing I don't get, you yeah. know, like, um, 25% disabled. I'm so fit, strong and healthy. Mm. Like why wouldn't you choose to be that way? Mm. You know, if you know what it takes and you know, there is that stigma around, well, I'd have to give up too much of the things I love and I eat so well, mm. you know, like my, the food I make and like, I mean, I still eat chocolate, but I make it myself, mm. you know, like, so it's sugar free and I just mix it up and I mm. love the taste of it. You know, like there's nothing I'm depriving myself of. Like, um, my mate had a had his birthday and he, because of the thyroid thing, gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, and he has to be egg-free as well because even the grains from the chicken eating that then lays the egg, like, messes him up. Whoa. So, so he's super inflamed. Super. And so I made him a chocolate cake for his birthday with mm. all, keeping all of those things in mind and he, like, took one bite and got all teary and he's just like... <gasps> I never thought I'd be able to eat chocolate cake again. And like my mm. niece was there and she's such a fussy eater and she's, she ate it. It was like chocolate cake, you know? Yeah. So, so it doesn't take much and you're not depriving yourself. You know, it's just getting around that mindset. And to yeah. me, mm. cooking vegetarian for so many years, that's a pain in the butt to make good veggie food. Mm. To me, just going home and cooking up some lamb chops and some greens is so much more simpler, you know? And so it's not actually a harder lifestyle choice. It's just, you know, that's just another excuse about why you perhaps wouldn't do it. Well, like, I mean, I mean... People, that, that's so funny to me that people, it's like, oh, you, but, but I mean, there's so much stuff you have to give up. It's like, what? Like, 
mental health issues and obesity <laughs> yeah. and fucking dying early. Like, yeah. what, do you, what do you mean? <laughs> and, like, sugar is a major cause of inflammation. Like, my mum, if she's off sugar, she doesn't have arthritis. If she has sugar, she's on arthritis. Mm. Do you think she's going to give up the muffin with coffee? No, she's yeah. going to have sore fingers, you yeah. know? So you're just like, you're like, come on now. Yeah. Like, mm, mm, absolutely, yeah. It's, it's just strange, the choices. Kai, we um, probably should wrap things up soonish, I think. Um, but I wanted to ask... Um, there's a question that I don't think we asked you. Um, I don't think Bill asked you from... It was late 2016, I think. So could you recommend um, one book to the listeners or one book? Did we ask you this one? You did. Oh, we did? Yeah. Well, everything I just said is a complete void now. Uh, <laughs> you did ask me book. Can we... You also asked sorry. me about people for dinner. And yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what you said. It was a long time ago. Do you reckon you would have changed that? No, nah, it's still. I think it was like Indiana Jones oh, yeah. and and Princess Leia. Remember, because oh, then we had yes. the whole conversation about how awkward that would be because of like the whole Han Solo thing. And yeah, <laughs> super awkward. Yeah, super awkward. Yeah. Well, what was the book? Then? Do you remember oh, the book? I can't remember. What What's a book? What would be a book now? Um, Apart from your own book. Yeah, <laughs> Girls' Own Survival Guide. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Penguin. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um. Yeah. Gosh. See, I probably haven't read any really good books for a long time because I've been doing the, like, looking the stuff up on YouTube. Mm. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> That's all right. Well, um, I like sci-fi fantasy, so. <laughs> yeah. Which ones? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I was always uh, like awesome. George R. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah. Okay, well, um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the book then. So, um, you're currently writing a new one though, aren't you? Yeah, so um, that was a really interesting process for me as well because they decided on this one they wanted me to have a co-writer. Okay. Um, On the first book, I just wrote it completely on my own. Yeah. And my agent um, loves my writing style, but she wanted to get more depth of emotion out Mm. of me because, you know, I'm very much a person that doesn't acknowledge the the maybe pain and suffering. Like, this is probably the most honest podcast I've ever done about Mm. the the where you go to and, Mm. and... and how all that feels. And so that was a big learning experience for me as well because I was like, aren't women meant to be like really good on that emotional stuff? Yeah. But no, I had to hire a man to help me get no in touch shit. with my emotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it turned out that it didn't really work out very well anyway, but it was like just that acknowledgement that perhaps I wasn't acknowledging um, some of the deeper emotions around things. And, yeah. you know, people actually can relate if you open up and share a little bit more honestly about who you are and what you went through. Um, whereas I'm definitely more like, everything's going great. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny that like that, that phrase, like in touch with your emotions derives some sort of like negativity or like some sort of like, Oh, you mean sadness and like anxiety and you know, I mean, but emotions like scale from happiness to joy and excitement as well. Right. And that's where I am like 95% of the time, but Mm. you definitely, you know, I think it's okay when I was in the wheelchair to acknowledge that was a situation that really sucked, you know? So that was where I think there's the difference between denial Mm. and, you know, and perhaps being positive. And I was definitely a bit in denial at times. So it was good for me Mm. to realize that being more honest about what I went through could actually help more people. So um, writing, yeah, the second book will be related to the stunt world and stunt. And um, the first one was a survival book and looked at how you can use attitudes of survival to get through life. And this one will be like looking at the attitudes in the stunt world and and getting through life with that. So Mm. um, definitely be focused on that. Mm. Um, Girl's Own Survival Guide is actually completely sold out. Um, I have mm. the only remaining copies and I'm Shit. looking at getting the license back from Penguin at the moment so I can can 
because they don't want to do a big batch. Mm. Okay. Um, and, and I want to be able to still have that book available for people because, Definitely. you know, I get a lot of good feedback about it. And, mm. you know, I was stoked. Like I sat down in eight days and wrote that book and wow. it sold like 10,000 copies in Australia and 6,000 in America. So I was like, when I found that out, like, cause Penguin called me up and they said, oh, you know what? We printed 10,000 copies and they're, they're almost sold out. We've got the last 20 copies here. Would you like them? And Whoa. I was like, you got 20 copies left? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I thought they'd be like, so we have like 8,000 yeah, copies. Exactly. Um, do you oh, have yeah. room in your shed? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, in your block of land. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How big is Torquay? Yeah. <laughs> do you have room for 8,000 copies? Yeah. Um, yeah, when I wrote it and when they published it, I honestly thought it'd be like one of those things that'd be like mum, dad and a couple of my relatives. Mm. But yeah, so that was that was really cool. But Amazing. I'm going to have that available and but I'm just going to publish a smaller batch. Next mm. Okay. So. Cool. Awesome. Great. Well, it's been great to have you on the show again. Yeah, lovely speaking with you. Yeah, mm. for sure. And uh, finally, any little thing you want to uh, plug or anything coming up apart from the book? Um, no, nothing I want to plug. I did do a super top secret survival show, which will be out in July. So if anyone's a fan of Shark Week, um, <laughs> nice. mm. that would be my biggest hint to you. Keep an eye out on Shark Week, July 22nd, because uh, yeah, there's going to be some stuff coming out that I Sweet. did recently for Discovery. So I'm super cool. excited. Bit awesome. of flag. Excellent. Keen. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, uh, that's a wrap. All right, guys. Really hope you enjoyed that one. I've just finished and I'm going to start this one with alrighty, guys. But uh, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do it anyway. Guys, head to www.audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF radio. Get one free audio book a month when you sign up through that code. It's a web page. Also, to gang True Protein, head to www.trueprotein.com.au. Use the code word ADVF for 10% off their protein powders and sports nutrition supplements. And finally, head to www.adventurefittravel.com for 10% off trips when you use the code word radio. And I hope to see you on Iceland 2.0 and 3.0 and 4.0, excuse me, <laughs> coming to you the end of this year. It's going to be absolutely insane. All righty, guys. Bye for now.